Good morning. What a joy and privilege it is for Gerda and me to uh, be back here with you. It's, oh, it's been a year and a half. And uh, uh, we miss you so much. And, and just coming today has been such a beautiful thing to see you all and uh, to come and share the Word of God with you. Um, and uh, an appreciation for Pastor Daniel uh, for his invitation to come and, and also for uh, the staff. And, the, the, you know, it's just as a blessing to our heart to see all the good things happening here and what God is doing. And uh, so thank you for the opportunity. And this is just uh, a great time for us. Um, I want to talk about when Jesus came and did all he did to fulfill what his father wanted him to do. He said, it's finished. They put him in the grave. He rose and, and uh, went back to heaven and is enthroned uh, at the father's right hand. And when he left, though, he left work undone. And that work he gave to us so that we would take and, and fulfill his purpose, fulfill his task in an ongoing way. And uh, we have talked as a church about this, about the mission of Christ and what we're st to be doing. And, and uh, you see Jesus and he came to seek and to save the lost. He, he came, and, and it says he had compassion, it just right in the gut. That's what that means. He, he felt this passion about lost people that he came to save. And, and as he confronted them, they were broken. They were harassed. They were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we see Jesus in, in one picture that gives us of him. And he sees all the people in Jerusalem. He hears the, the accolades and what, and he bursts out crying because he understood the need for uh, salvation of those people. Um, and, and so I tried to, in all of my ministry, I've tried to beat the drum for that. And, and for fulfilling that mission ongoing, for capturing the heart of God and having, having it so capture us that nothing is more important. And we're, we're passionate on nothing uh, other than that. And um, it was, as I was thinking about what, what I would share with you today, I was thinking, um, I was given a number of topics that were or passages, and I went through, and I, I would say to Daniel, well, I'll take that one. He said, it's taken. <laughs> so I'd go back, and I, I, I don't know who you are who took my passages. but, um, And then, and then I, I said, well, how about this one? It's taken. And we went through this like about four or five times. And finally, I found one. I said, why are you preaching that message? Because it's the only one that wasn't taken. <laughs> um, and I thought, but what I thought, and, and Sarah, thank you for the reading of the scripture. And da Pastor Daniel said, you know, would you want to go from verse 5 to verse 30? I said, 1 to 42. 
And, and it's, you know, you did a beautiful job of helping us to see the Savior in, in this. And, and the, the thing that struck me is this. He is our example. So if we're talking about reaching the world, we need look no further than Jesus himself. And uh, after all, he is the consummate model of what, what we're about. Jesus is our model for evangelism. And we'll see him here in action. And we want to observe his approach and what he does. And, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully learn some things that will help us in this regard. The first thing I want to say of Jesus as a model was God the Father went before Jesus. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting when we look at the master himself. Jesus never does a one-size-fits-all. You know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying it's not good to have a, a canned presentation to know I, that's, that's a, a good idea. But with Jesus, every person was unique in and of themselves. And he would speak to them and their needs and their situation. And, um, and so we see him in that way. Jesus is led by the Father. So often you see Jesus and, and he's, uh, he, they, the disciples get up in the morning and say, where's Jesus? And he'd be off in a quiet place con conversing with his Father, understanding what he wanted for us. And, uh, and, and many times... Uh, we need to understand that Jesus is leading this encounter that he has as he does lead encounters with us in that way. And, and it may seem that Jesus just happens to be in a certain place. He doesn't just happen to be in a place or in a right place or the right time. He is there by divine uh, direction. It's, it's not an accident. It's not happenstance. It's God the Father guiding and directing his son in what he wants him to do. And in the start of this passage, Jesus hears that the rumble about Jesus and John, that Jesus was making more disciples or converts than John, and Jesus wanted no part of this kind of uh, competitive thing and so he said I'm I'm leaving the area and he headed uh, to go north he headed to go to Galilee and uh, it's interesting to go from Galilee from from Judea where he was Jerusalem and the in the south of the country and then there was uh, Samaria in the middle of the uh, of the country and then at the top there was Galilee and that's where he was going. And it's interesting um, that it said he had to go through Samaria. Well, no, he didn't really, because if you wanted to avoid, and there was not happy feelings between the two, if you wanted to avoid going through Samaria, you could cut over and go by the Mediterranean Sea, or you could cross the Jordan River, and you could uh, go north and then cut back in in Galilee, or you could go straight up through the middle. And when he says he had to go through the, the middle, he, he had to do that. It, it's not really right. I believe he went because 
he had an, a, an encounter that he wanted to have with a, a, a woman. And uh, he would take that direct route for that very purpose. Um, the problem was the Jews and the Samaritans weren't on happy, friendly terms. And uh, so to go through Samaria, uh, some of them wouldn't even do that. But we know that Jesus wasn't all about that because it said he stayed two days extra. So he wasn't in a hurry. He was there in, in, in a way to reach out to this woman. Um, in Ephesians 1.11, it says this, In him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. He was there by divine choosing. He was there uh, to, to reach out to a woman that nobody else would reach out to. It's about noonday, and a woman has gone to draw water at a well, and Jesus encounters her here. The disciples, he sent them on to, uh, to go and get some food for them, and, and here, Jesus is left with this woman. And it, it's interesting how the Father guides Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in, in John 6, 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Jesus said, everyone who's mine, uh, I'll identify them, and they will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Jesus was going to encounter this woman. Uh, he loved this person. He, he had concern for her. He takes the initi initiative to bring her, her to faith. And uh, I think we need to be aware of opportunities that God will give us. We need to have a kind of sensitivity. Um, a number of years ago, I... I uh, went home, I, 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 had, uh, I lived close to the church, and so I used to walk back and forth to the church, and I, walked, I was walking home uh, one day, and I stopped uh, at a neighbor's who was going to provide a banquet for our church for a big celebration we were having, and I thought, well, I'm, let me just stop and, and ask this lady, uh, do we have everything, make sure we've got the details taken care of. And, and so uh, I rapped on the door and we, you know, did our business, what, whatever we had to talk about. And uh, she said, do you have a moment? And I said, well, sure. She said, I want to invite you to come in. And he, she had questions about faith and life and God. And an hour later, she was with tears streaming down her face opening her heart to Jesus Christ. I can tell you in that day, I didn't wake up thinking about that. I, I wasn't all over that. I, I just was doing what I thought I had to do. But God had an appointment for a woman. And, and I was there at that moment to help and, and to um, see through that. Um, what a beautiful thing. And I, I want to ask you a question. How zoned in are you to what God is wanting to do in your life? 
with the people that he puts daily across your path. And some of those people are needy people. Sometimes you don't even know. I didn't know with this woman. But there was a need there where there was a heart cry there. And she was looking for something that she didn't know what. It's interesting. Uh, I have a, a prayer partner who... Uh, for 25 years, prays for me every day, and he's been down to the church uh, several times. He called me uh, on uh, New Year's Day. He'd gone to a, a, a gathering on New Year's Eve, and he, he talked to a woman there, and my, my par- prayer pa- partner, uh, his wife had died of cancer about 13, 14 years ago. And there was a person at this gathering, and she said uh, to my friend Ward, uh, you know, your, your wife had a big impact on me. Uh, she was a conference speaker, a Christian conference speaker. And uh, she, he, she said she had, a, he, she had a big impact on me, and she said there was a message she gave, and it was about 15 years ago. And... Uh, well, she, unbeknownst to them, she didn't follow up with it, but it was something that bothered her for 15 years that, that God had spoken to her, and she didn't do anything about it, and she didn't do anything about it. And my friend turned to her, and he said, well, why don't you do it now? She said, I'd like that. Who, 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 who puts that together but God? And God, God he, he wants this more than you or I do. And, and he, he brings people across our path. And, and my, my challenge for us is it this. Are we, are we hearing from God? Are we reaching out? Is there something that we can do? And, and to have that kind of sensitivity. Uh, and I want to encourage you and challenge you in that way because that's exactly how Jesus worked. Uh, the Apostle Paul would say, in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You might be here because somebody's invited you. You might be here because just, you don't even know why you're here. You just felt, I, I'll go. I want to tell you, this may be a day that you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. It may be that you are here to meet him today and, and perhaps to open your heart and open and, and, and experience the presence of Jesus in your life. The only reason we can be optimistic for reaching people for Jesus Christ is that God is going before us, and he will accomplish this in his own way, moving us. Well, another area is... Um, that he removes barriers to share our faith. Excuse me. Um, we remove barriers. Whenever you want to do something, and when you want to do something that God wants you to do, you'll often find that there'll be some opposition to that coming from various places and ways. And um, there, there can be roadblocks but there are also roadblocks or barriers that keep us from engaging with people as well. And uh, we can be unsure of ourselves. We can be fearful. And uh, we certainly don't want to risk anything. 
And when Jesus confronted the woman at the well, there were issues that made it difficult for them to engage with each other. In fact, it made them, it could, it could make you very uncomfortable. Jesus asked for a glass of uh, some water to drink. It's so beautiful to see the Savior in his humanity. He's exhausted. He's tired. He's thirsty. And he asked this woman if she would get him a drink. Um, and he is going to connect in a very mundane thing in, in their life, getting a drink of water. And the Samaritan woman would say to him, with some kind of surprise, um, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews have no association with the Samaritans. So there's a barrier, and, and I'm going to go through a, a few of these barriers that keep us from engaging people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first one is an ethnic barrier. Um, the woman says, you're a, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. We, we have some disconnect here. There was an ethnic barrier. Um, there's a, there was a divide between the two. And uh, just a, a quick history lesson. What happened uh, with David's grandson... King David's grandson. Um, they had some problems with, with each other, and, and so there was a, a, a division in the, uh, in the uh, life of the, the people of Israel. The northern kingdom broke away from the southern kingdom, and it stayed that way for hundreds of years until in 1722, uh, the Assyrian... Empire came in and wiped out the northern tribe people. They took those people who were the best, brightest, and, and most talented and took them back to their country. The other ones they left in the land. And what they did was they also brought other people in, poor people and people of different ethnicity, and they would become a part of that. And, and so it was always felt to be that these are, are, these are not our people. They're not pure Jews. And we, we rebuff them. And, and not only do they do that, but the, the Samaritans. You know, if somebody doesn't like you, you don't like them back. It was that kind of thing. And, and so here we are. We've got uh, an eth a problem with ethnicity. And we see that stuff happening all the time. In fact, you see how deep it is um, and how it takes root that the disciples struggled with this. In Luke chapter 9, um, we have an account of Jesus going through Samaria. It's not this account. It's a different account. And he, he sent uh, uh, people to go, of, of his disciples, to go and just make the way for their trip. And, and here's, what, here's what happens. He sent the messengers ahead who, to, into a Samaritan village to get things ready, but the people did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. No, you're not, you're not staying here. Nobody's going to give you shelter here. And when the disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, 
saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from in heaven and scorch these guys? Oh, boys, boys. <laughs> you know, so, so out of what Jesus wants. But that's the kind of animosity that existed between them. And, and this goes on when, uh, because, you know, when Jesus said, um, we're going we're gonna to take the world, but it's going to be, it's start in Jerusalem, and it'll be in Judea, and then we'll go into Samaria. Oh, Samaria. And then we'll go to the ends of the earth. And for them to welcome Gentiles was just like not ready to do it. God had to send visions and, and all of this kind of thing to move them. And in fact, it was at times such a, t a tough thing that Paul... Okay, get this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is dressing down Peter, the head of the apostles, the head of the church, the head of the whole movement, because he was not receiving Gentiles. And so we've got sometimes ethnic problems that we just don't, we don't want to connect with each other. And God says, and Jesus is, is ready to break those barriers down. And... Uh, we see, uh, we see also there's a gender barrier. She said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Okay, there's one. But you're, you're a Jew, uh, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Now, they're, they're looking at this kind of issue was not what we would uh, be, have the same way. But there's a, a gender barrier, and it would, you would never have a man speaking with a woman whom he did not know in public. It just, it was wrong. According to convention, you never do that. In fact, they, they were so, uh, so against all of that that they just would not have anything to do with it. The disciples come back and wonder, what's he doing talking to a woman? And in public. Uh, they knew well enough, though, to not test him anymore. Well, there's another barrier. There's a moral barrier. And that is there's a, uh, the, the, uh, the woman that Jesus is, is engaging is a woman who has a past. As we heard the, the story recounted, um, here's a woman, and, and Jesus so beautifully does this. He says, uh, go call your husband. And she said, well, I really don't have a husband. Jesus said, bravo, thank you for being truthful in that. You don't have a husband, but you've had five. And the one you have now is not, is not your husband. You know, he is gentle, even in this. He, he's helping them. Here she, she has a revolving door of men that she has been married to. And she, the one she's with is not her own, uh, not her husband. And, and forget the woman tag. This, this is uh, the, kind of, the kind of thing that uh, she would have a reputation and the women would cling, cling uh, to their husband. They don't want uh, a woman like this trying to seduce their husband or something like that. How dare you keep company with a woman of those kind of questionable morals? A woman who's a moral train wreck, not respecting people, and anywhere near her. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul would say, 
to members of the church, stay away from sexually immoral people. And then he said, now, wait a minute, you misunderstood me. I'm talking about people in the church who are immoral. I'm not talking about people in the world. And, and if you want to reach people in the world, you need to be able to get close to them. And if you can't do that, then it's not going to happen. It's, it's funny because Jesus always is, he, he takes a rap. He hangs around with the wrong crowd. He, he, he hangs around with people uh, of questionable morals. And for the religious leaders, that was a no-no. But with Jesus, he could break that barrier and, and reach out to a, a woman like that. And uh, how else are sinners going to come to faith unless somebody will reach out to them? He kept company with sinners. Um, I, I was the uh, second worst hockey player in the world. Don, uh, Don, I, I needed some of your help back then. I, I, as a kid, I grew up playing ball hockey, but I didn't play ice hockey with all the equipment and everything like that. And uh, there was a, there was a, a church, our church group would play hockey. And, uh, you know, it's very humility, humiliating when you, you know, you pick two guys to be captains and then they pick a person and it goes down with your, how, your quality of play and all of that. And uh, so I'd be, I'd be standing there at the end. <laughs> Who gets Rutledge? Yeah. Uh, anyway, a guy came along to our church um, that, that took a little of the sting out of that. Um, he, he was, uh, he was a, a guy, he had some physical health problems. He, had, he was dressed from top to toe, uh, and, and he was in green. He had a shiny green helmet. He had sh everything on him was green, and he couldn't skate. He kind of went on his ankles, and uh, Glenn was also, uh, he's a diabetic as well, and we were so happy to have him, you know, because some people, you, you don't get a chance to do that, but... I might I come second worst to Glenn. Um, when I when I started, in, and I never was any good anyway. But when I started in my first pastorate, I, I thought, you know, God, I, I want you to use me, and I want to reach our community, and I don't know how to do that. And I got the bright idea: why don't I, um, why don't I, join? rec league hockey <laughs> and what I would do is it would it would allow me to get close to people who are um, in the world in the community and and so I so I signed up and I thought okay I, I'm gonna give it my best shot and I showed up and I opened the dressing room door and there were two cases of two four in the middle of the uh, room, and there was so much cigarette smoke that you could almost cut it with a knife. And the language was pretty salty, and some of what was talked about was 
was kind of X-rated, and I just quietly went in and did my thing. I played my first shift and got a penalty. Um, <laughs> I wanted to make an impression, <laughs> not that impression. And some time afterwards, I went into the bank. This is when you could go into the bank, and they would do something for you. It's not just a machine. And some of you remember that time. And the, you get to know, in a, in a small town, you get to know people. And so um, the, the person at the wicket said to me, Kevin, are you playing rec league hockey in Hensel? And I said, yeah. She goes, <laughs> they didn't know who I was. And I didn't want them to know that I was a pastor because there would be probably some pushback but if I'm going to reach these guys, if we're going to reach them, we've got to get close to them. And we've got to figure out how to do that. And uh, I want to encourage you to think of people that, uh, this is not my people, or something like that. And, and you, God can use you in a situation like that. Um, let, me, let me say, too, I, I've had the opportunity of being several times in India, and, and part of that... Uh, supporting a ministry that is helping um, young girls come out of the sex trade. Who's going to get their hands dirty? Who's going to reach out? Who's going to knock over some barriers to be able to help somebody? Well, there was also a, sh uh, a social barrier. When you read the story of this woman, um, there's something that's out of place. Here's a woman coming at high noon, hottest time of the day, and she's, she's going about uh, but a half a mile. Um, and in that, she, she's by herself. And if you know, you, you don't do that in the heat of the day. You, you um, rather go with all the other ladies uh, to, to do this. And it becomes a social thing. But not for this woman. She went alone. She's, she's there with Jesus alone. And this, this is an, an exclusionary kind of experience. She was very well aware of the loneliness in her life. Nothing was working out. One man after another, after another, after another. And, and you know, and I know probably experiences when we've done that, when we've been in school, when we were excluded, where we didn't get asked to the prom, where we had no friends or people were putting you down and it can be painful. And this woman knew what that was. But that didn't stop Jesus. Uh, he was willing to reach out to the socially distanced, the people who for whatever reason are seg segregated alone and need somebody to reach out. And Jesus did that. It was also a religious barrier. We live in a religious, religiously diverse country, pluralistic immigrants from all around the world who bring their different religions to our, uh, to our land. Those who are a little older, if we spoke about God, it was the Judeo-Christian God. Now you can't speak about God. It can mean so many other things. And, and 
that the religion, religious landscape has been re redefined. And we now know and have a smorgasbord of religious options. And often ethnicity and religion can be co-joined. One of the reasons the Jews didn't get along with the Samaritans is they couldn't find common ground religiously. For instance, the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worshipped in Mount Gerizim. Jews were accepted the, the whole Old Testament. The Samaritans only the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. And there were all these discrepancies that had to be reconciled. And you notice that Jesus also, he, he says, you're wrong. He stands up for truth. You're wrong. But he still has touched her life. And if we're to share with others, uh, we need to be able to connect with them. We, we need to be able to die, uh, uh, correct, uh, excuse me, um, for, uh, for us to be able to reach out and have meaningful contact with them. And if we're uh, not doing this, if we can't do it without disagreement, some people will come to faith in, in, if you just give them a chance to talk and to learn and to know something about them. Uh, one thing that really uh, touched me, uh, some of you will know Will, will, and, Har will and Harriet. Um, they used to be members of our church. And uh, Will passed away very suddenly just a few months ago. But they got zoned into a, uh, a ministry called Move In. And what this did was they had a, a lovely home here in Markham, and they were going to give up their home, and they were going to have somebody come and live in their home, and they're going to go and, and into a high-rise building that is all Muslim people. And they're going to just live with them. And as I talked to her, the, the kind of things they did was so exciting. It was just being them. It was being a Christian in an environment where you normally wouldn't be appreciated or wanted. But they loved, they helped people. They drove people to uh, doctor's appointments. They had celebrations with them. They, all this kind of thing. And, and, and God was using and working through them. And, and you... you you need to be able to knock down that bar barrier and, and come and be a part. And it was such a beautiful thing that they have done with sacrificial love and care. And they, they walk around, they would walk around that place and, and be greeted by everyone and held in high esteem. That's what we need people who can kick over those barriers. Um, and I, and I ask you, what would it do to keep you from breaking some barriers and allowing God, God to work through you? What hurdles do you confront to say, you know, I, yeah, but not, not those. They're not the, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. We had a, uh, okay, uh, two ribs, two, two racks of back, back ribs. And uh, we had some friends that were inviting over for these back ribs. Uh, 
and uh, about middle of the morning, he called me, and I, this is a long, a long cooking time, so I've already had it in the oven for some time, and a uh, guy calls me and said, look, I'm sorry we can't come. Uh, my step, my, my mother-in-law is, uh, I think she's having a problem. We were taking her by ambulance to the, to the uh, hospital. And I said to her, well, I can't eat all these. Let's call some other friends. And we called, and one after another couldn't go. And uh, all along, I'm saying, the Lord's in this. That person wasn't supposed to. We went through about five people, and they couldn't, they couldn't come. And I, I uh, said to my, uh, our daughter, you've got some people. She, she worked with ESL on a volunteer basis. I said, well, look, we got this if you want to come. So she called back and said, I've got three people from that, and they're willing to come. And I said to Gerda, there's our answer. The Lord has an appointment for those gals. And they came that night. We had more fun and enjoyment. And uh, the girls, uh, as they left, they hugged us and thanked us and said, if you ever need help eating food, we'll... <laughs> We'll be there with you. And, and what a joy and delight. And, and the warmth they showed back invites another and another. And it just I was studying at the time in, in Luke 14 where poor, uh, poor uh, uh, guy holding the banquet and nobody, everybody turned down. He said, don't invite somebody who can repay you. Invite somebody who can't repay you. And, and, and I just want to encourage us. I, I love the heart of this church and the alpha push on alpha and, and just to be able to share with others as, as Christ has asked us to do. And, and uh, I want to encourage you to keep doing that and, and to think about these things of what Jesus does. It's, it's interesting how this woman becomes more and more understanding of who Jesus is. He's, he's a man first. He's a Jewish man. He's a, rab a rabbi. He's, is he some kind of a patriarch? This, this was a patriarchal. And, and then she says, uh, you know, when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all these things. And Jesus says, I, myself, Am he. he revealed himself as the, uh, as the Messiah. And it's interesting when you get to the end of it, truly this is the Savior of the world. There, there comes an understanding bit by bit by bit in, in this whole thing. And uh, excuse me. There's one other thing that we see that makes a lot of sense. And it's the power of a gospel testimony to share what, some, what Christ has done for us and what he means to us. Good news needs to be shared. Um, when, you, when a person gets engaged, they just can't hold back with sharing this. When they have a baby, when there's a promotion or something, when good things happen, we want to... Uh, celebrate them and and here it is with Christ 
We have the most precious uh, thing available to us. And it demands to be shared. In fact, we've been told to share it. And uh, here is this woman's discovery of who Jesus really is. And you don't have to have a theological degree to be able to tell what Christ has done for you. Uh, that's what the Lord has done for me. Can I tell you what he means to me? Remember in John 9, the, the guy who was born blind, and he, Jesus gave him his sight. And, and uh, they, they, they were trying to trip him up and, and say, well, who, who did this to you and, and whatnot? And he says, I don't know. All I can tell you is this. I used to be blind, but now I see. I used to be this, but now I'm this. Uh, and and what, a, what a beautiful thing. They say, it says in verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. We've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. With the power of a testimony, think of it. Think of it. Here she comes. She is leading the pack. She's coming, and, and, and they see her coming, and the whole town is coming out. And, and there's something incredible that's happening. There's, there's something that happened that her life and what Christ has done for her is a catalyst for a great move of God. I just want to come to a conclusion here. Just um, the story of Anne. Anne it was, is a, a woman who lived in Los Angeles. And she had a friend who lived in Markham. And uh, the, the burning passion of her soul was, I want my friend to know Jesus Christ. Um, and, and the Spirit of God weighed so heavenly upon her with that, that that she decided she needed to come from L.A. to here, and she'll take a Thursday to a Monday, fly out. The only problem was she didn't have enough money for the airfare. But that, that pressure from the Spirit of God that overwhelming sense of burden, she couldn't shake it off. So she said, I'm just going to make, uh, make the reservations. And wonderfully, God brought business that covered all of that, that time. Um, so she, she came, her sister said, if you're going, I'm going too. So Kim said she would go. And um, they were sitting back right about here, and uh, the, the two girls said they'd done some research and here would be a good church we could go to. They wanted to share the gospel with her. And she said, well, there's a church in my backyard. Why can't I just go here? And they said, well, okay. And I remember the, uh, the, the service ended and I could hardly get my stuff off here when these three women came up and accosted me with questions and and it, it was I mean, it just floats my boat to, to have something like that we sat and talked and the spirit of God opened the heart of Jana Peng who's sitting just over here and and here are here are these three gals 
with tears of joy with what God had done. I think I even had a little bit of uh, uh, ailment myself because I was holding back, uh, fighting back tears to see what God had done. And, and I, I, you know, you see Jana and, and her family and what God has done. Hey, there's, there's God working. And, and I want to encourage you. Um, if, if that woman at the well, if God could use her, she could use all, he could use all of us in that way. And, and Jesus will go, uh, and, and unbeknownst to this woman, she had an encounter and would never be the same. And I, I want to encourage us and, and just so thankful for all that you guys do in holding that up and, and really reaching out in prayer and, and uh, the rest of it. And, and I, I want to again say this may, be, this may be a day for you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. You've been thinking about it. Maybe, maybe it's something that you've been growing in understanding and it's starting to make sense. And you just, you just need this. This could be your day. And my prayer that if it is, I mean, there'll be some people up here afterwards and you can come and speak to one of them or you can speak to me or one of the staff here. And, and uh, we'll, we'll see what God will do in your life as we share the good thing as only the gospel message message can convict a sinner and open a heart and making a person spiritually alive and cleansing a soul and incorporate a, a person in the family of christ the apostle paul would say i'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of god that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the jew and then to the Gentile. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to have uh, communion. And uh, I just want to pray uh, as the uh, prayers come up uh, with us as well. Father, we are so grateful for those of us who can tell the story of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we stand in amazement. And we, we're so grateful that you did for us that we could never what we could never do ourselves you took our sin upon yourself you bore the pain and the punishment of that and father we thank you for that and father as we come in communion lord we remember what you have done you asked us to come back time and time again and reflect on your goodness and your grace and what you've done and, and come to you with thanksgiving, with grateful hearts for what you've done. And Father, we come and, and we also want to give ourselves fully to you. And, and Lord, we pray that you would make Christ most wonderfully appreciative of all that you have done. Lord, you see this church. You see the love that we have for this congregation, for this uh, community. I pray, Lord, that you will bring many, many people to faith in Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Matthew 26, when they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, 
saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to 